the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I don't care what someone calls themselves. What matters is what the Bible says, that we're part of the body of Christ. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. I entitled this message, Power. Okay. You know, power, it has so many definitions, does it not? I mean, everything from influence to control, from physical force to brute strength. Yes, we all seem to gravitate to more power from our jobs, even the sports, so that we can run faster and jump higher. Everywhere in life, power seems to be involved. There's power tools power lunches, power plays. There's power walks, power steering, and power brakes on our cars. Yes, it's power everything. We have electric power. We have hydraulic power. We have political power. There's even economic power or the lack of it now because of COVID. But anyway, you get the point. There's the the power of persuasion. That can be a good thing or, well, it could be a bad thing. Or the power of a piece of paper, like a power of attorney. That's a document that gives someone else our authority to make decisions on our behalf. And then there's raw natural power, like Niagara Falls. That's some serious power of water because 1.2 million gallons of water flows over Niagara Falls every second. Yes, everybody knows power. Even little kids. Some kids were asked what they would do if God gave them unlimited power. So seven-year-old Michael said, I would fly like a bird. But then they asked six-year-old Hannah, what would you do if you had unlimited power? She said, I would change my dog into a cat. (laughs) What a waste of power. But 10-year-old Corey, he had the best plan of all. If he had unlimited power, he said this. I'd have my mom and dad get back together because when I'm with one, I miss the other. Yeah, well, amen to that. Yet for some, to get a taste of power could totally ruin them. It was Abraham Lincoln, our 16th president, that said this, quote, Nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power. Yeah, power can change people, and I've seen it happen for the worse. Maybe you've seen it at your job where someone got promoted, and all of a sudden it completely changed them, and they became power-hungry after that. It was Theodore Roosevelt, our 26th president, that had this take on power. He says, speak softly, but carry a big stick. Yeah, that was his idea. But make no mistake about it. 
power in the wrong hands can be a dangerous, even hazardous to some. Yes, we're all surrounded by power and the desire to have more of it. We're going to look at a letter that was penned by the Apostle Paul. Now, the purpose of this letter was to address sin, and that is sin in the church. Understand, the Corinthians were just like so many people here in Southern California, because they, like us, were surrounded by worldliness. They were a seaport, and they had so many different people coming in and out of there, so sin was just flowing fluidly there. And they found it hard for the believers there to divorce the culture that was all around them. So I wonder if there's anyone here that's had that same problem. Are you watching online? It's like it's hard to divorce yourself from this culture because we're surrounded with people going in the opposite direction that we're going as believers here today. So this letter was written to exhort and encourage these believers in the city of Corinth to follow the Lord. And in the light of our title here tonight, Power, we're going to consider three points. Number one, power and harmony. God wants there to be harmony with us, especially as believers, And sometimes that's not always happening. Sometimes believers have all this bitterness going against each other. But God is encouraging us and exhorting us to have harmony with inside of us. And number two, power in the cross, because that's where our power is. It's in the cross of Christ. We are victorious because of what Jesus did. And number three, power in our weakness. Many of you might think, well, you know, I'm not like the other person. I'm not as gifted as they are. I don't have what they have. And so, therefore, you know, I'm lacking in my life. Well, maybe God wants to give you power in your weakness. Well, let's look at our first point, power in harmony, as we read together, starting in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We'll pick up in verse 10. It says... Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree that there be no division among you, but you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, they're letting on there, that there are quarrels among you. Now, I mean this, that each one of you is saying, well, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except for Crispus and Gaius. He says that no man should say you were baptized in my name. Now I did baptize also the household of Stephanas. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, that the cross of Christ should be made void. And it's neat that the Apostle Paul said, it's not in cleverness of speech. Look, this is an extremely educated man. 
He was trained by Gamamiel, the one of the leading rabbis of the day. He was excelling above all of his other classmates and those that were around him, his peers, I guess I should say. So he's his super intelligent. I mean, God used him to write half of the New Testament. But he says, look, I'm not here because I'm so smart and I'm so clever. I'm here because of what Christ did on the cross. But notice we start with the subject of harmony within the body of Christ, or in this case, the lack of harmony. Verse 10, Paul says, there are divisions among you, among the believers there. The word divisions in the original Greek language means that there was a a split, there was a gap, there was a severing, there was a separation, which of course caused, as it says in verse 11, quarrels among them. They were bickering against one another. There were disputes, there were debates, and there was dissensions abounding. Know this, when there's disunity in the church, when there's disunity in the body of Christ, that will cause us to be weakened as the church in general. Paul exhorts him to be made complete or as the New King James Bible says, to be joined together. That just means they need to be restored. Like, get over your problems with each other. Stop, you know, bickering and and backstabbing one another. Get over it and be restored. You're all on the same team here. You know, we have to tell this to married couples at times. They come in for marriage counseling, and you're just like a referee with them. You know, you're trying to just like, hey, come on. You know, you're trying to make sense of what's going on here, and they're ready to kill each other. And you're like, "Uh, excuse me, you guys are both on the same team. Stop hacking each other here. So that's what the problem was here. There needed to be like a, a healing process here, because that word really means the terminology of being restored there. It could be likened to the healing process of a broken bone being mended back together again. See, isn't it amazing how if you break your arm or break your leg, I mean, that thing gets set back in the right place and that bone completely mends back together. Well, there can be brokenness in a relationship, but just like a bone can be mended back together, a relationship can be mended back together. And this church needed that mending. I wonder if there is any strife in your life with another brother or sister in Christ. It's like, look, we're supposed to get along with all people, but especially those of the household of the Lord. Maybe there's been someone in the church that you've cut off. Maybe it's been a relative and they're a Christian too, but you've cut them off because you're at odds with them right now. But listen, the Bible tells us in Romans twelve eighteen, he says, now if possible, so far as it depends on you, Be at peace with all men. Now, this is everybody, but especially Christians. Some might say, but after what they did to me, Pastor, you don't understand. They deserve to be cut off. Yet it goes on to say in verse 19, never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry... Feed him, and if he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. See, 
If you're nice to people and whatever, maybe you can help restore that person in their relationship with God. Maybe they repent of whatever they did or whatever, and hey, praise God for that. But if not, let God be the judge to them and not ourselves. We are not to be divided, but we are to be united. Moving on here, notice what caused the division, though, in verse 12. Some were saying, I am of Paul. Others are saying, well, I'm of Apollos. Well, Apollos was another true believer. He was a great preacher of the word. He was a, a total man of God. And, and so some people were saying, well, I'm from his camp. And other ones say, well, I'm from Paul's camp. Others were saying, I'm from Cephas. And Cephas, of course, is the Peter. He was the one who walked with the Lord, you know, one of the main Lord's disciples. Well, I'm from Peter because he was the one that walked with Jesus. And they were saying this because they were baptized by those particular leaders. But Paul was quick to point out here that he only baptized a few of them. We still have this going on today. The same division that he's actually addressing here is the very same division that we have all over the world today because we have the Baptist church. We have the Presbyterian church. We have the Catholic church. We have the Lutheran church. We have the Episcopal church. And we have a host of other denominations that are out there, this church, that church. This is how these denominations started, by the way. How did they start? Because they disagreed with something in the scripture. Okay, there was something they didn't agree with. They had divisions among themselves. Oh, yeah, well, we'll take our little group and we'll go over here. and We'll have our church over here and you can have your church over there. And that's how all of these things started. When people had these differing opinions. That's why Core Church Los Angeles is a interdenominational church, meaning we are no denomination of a church. We're not this, that, or whatever. It's like, I don't care what someone calls themselves. What matters is what the Bible says, that we're part of the body of Christ. That's what the true church is. It's the body of Christ. It's the believers. All it means is like, you're either in Christ or you're not in Christ. There is no denomination, period. So that's why Paul is exhorting them to stop this foolishness. We're told in Colossians 1.18, it says that Jesus is also the head of the body, the church. And again, we are the church. It's you and me. Really, the question should always be, do you know Jesus? Are you born again? Are you born from above? Have you asked Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for your sins, to come into your heart as your Savior and your Lord? That's the question. It's not what denomination are you or what church do you go to? Have you made that commitment to Christ? If so, then guess what? You're a Christian. But yet at the same time, if you haven't repented of your sin and you haven't asked Jesus Christ into your heart as your Lord and your Savior, guess what? You're not a Christian. Even if you're part of a main denomination, even if you're part of a church that is like, well, I've been going to my Baptist church for every day of my life. It's like, but if you ask Christ to come in your heart, it was amazing when we started doing harvest crusades in North Carolina. I mean, you're in the Bible belt back there. 
And in the Bible Belt, you know, there's all these different people that have come to know Christ as their Savior. And so again, you're in the Bible Belt. So we're out there witnessing to people, and we come alongside people. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, good. You know, hey, we're out here telling people about Jesus. Oh, that's nice. We love Jesus. It's like, oh, really? Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, I've gone to church my whole life. Are you born again? What's born again? It's like, what's born again? What do you mean, what's born again? What do you mean? It's like, you don't know what born again is? You don't know what's happening there? And so anyway, there is an opportunity there, and we start sharing Christ. Well, are you going to heaven? Well, of course I'm going to heaven. Well, why do you go to heaven? Because I go to church. Well, it's like, well, that's not how you go to heaven, because you go to church. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian, just like going into in and out doesn't make you a double-double, right? Okay, so you would share with these people like, Do you know that you have to ask Christ in your heart? You would not believe how many people we led to Christ that had gone to church their whole life, and they never heard that you had to be born again. It's amazing. It was absolutely, unbelievably amazing how that worked. But again, Jesus is the head of the body, and that's what we have to be part of the body of Christ by becoming born again. And though someone, again, might call themselves a denomination or religion, that cannot save you. It will only lead to a false sense of security. Could you imagine someone going to church their whole life, or I've been a a Catholic my whole life, but they've never asked Christ in their heart as their Savior? Can you imagine when they get to heaven and they stand before the Lord, and it's like they had this false sense of security that somehow they were going to heaven, and yet they never came to know Christ in a personal, in a real way. How sad that would be. But again, this is why it's so important for us as believers to be able to explain these things to people so that people know and understand these things. I wonder if that would describe anyone, or I wonder how many family or friends that you know that have that false sense of security concerning the life hereafter. It's like how sad that would be if someone thinks they're going to heaven when the whole time, no, you're not going to heaven. And trust me, there's a lot of people that think they're going to heaven and are not. That's why Jesus said, and we pointed this out in this morning's message, that many people are going to come to him in that day and say, Lord, didn't we do all these wonderful things in your name? And he's going to say, "Uh, hold on, I don't even know you. Depart from me, you cursed creature, into a place of everlasting fire. So there's going to be a lot of people that think they're saved, and they're not really saved. Yes. Yeah, I wonder how many people we see on a daily basis that if we were to ask them this question, Are you going to heaven? It's a question that you could ask people that you know. Hey, let me ask you a question. Are you going to heaven? Like, what's going to happen to you when you die? Like, what's going to happen? There's nothing wrong with asking that question because people think about death and they think about what's going to happen afterwards. I wonder if they would respond to you by saying, well, I hope so, but we shouldn't base our eternity on a hope-so faith. Because the Bible says that we can know so, not hope so, but know so. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 13, these things I've written you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know that you have eternal life. See, we want that. We know that we're going to heaven. See, I know I'm going to heaven, not in an arrogant way, but I just know I'm going there because Christ died for me, uh, because I've received him in my heart as my Savior and my Lord. Yes, God wants us as believers to know that we're saved by his free gift 
of dying for us on the cross. He wants us as his children to be in harmony, to be in unity together as the body of Christ. And there is power in that. The church is stronger when we are united and the church is weaker when we are divided. That only makes sense. Which brings up our second point, power in the cross. Let's pick up reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. It says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech that the cross of Christ should be made void. For the word of the cross is to those who are perishing, it's foolishness. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? And I just love this portion of scripture here. God says, look, I have made foolish the wisdom of the world. Yes, our world is filled with what? All of its philosophies. Our world is filled with all of its beliefs. And it comes up to man tries to answer all the complexities of life, the origin of life. And what is the answer that man has come up with? Because man is so wise in their own estimation. It's all just made itself out of a huge explosion. So where's the origin of man? What does man say? It all happened through a big bang. So man in his wisdom, because he has denied the existence of God, that's man's explanation of how you and me got to where we are here today, because we have no need of God. Yet as we look around, man in all of our great wisdom here, what has he done? Man has made a mess of it all. Man has made a mess of the entire creation here. We have complete and total global unrest. We have global hunger. We have global warming. We have global incurable diseases. But know this, man's wisdom is unreliable. I think we've all kind of figured that out. Man's wisdom is unreliable. And this is the problem with the church today. When the church no longer teaches the full counsel of God's truth, which has happened with many churches. They don't teach the whole thing. They don't want to step on people's toes. They don't want to say the wrong thing. They don't want anyone leaving the church. I would rather have a smaller church and to be taught right than a bigger church that's not taught right. That's just what God has called us to do. But because the church has weakened by the not teaching the word of God from the pages of the Bible, the church renders itself powerless and ineffective. We cannot substitute human wisdom for doctrinal truths. No matter how much they might sound good to us and tickle our itching ears, when pop culture obscures and conceals the truth of God, it robs the cross and it deprives the gospel of its power. Paul was standing against this substitution of man's wisdom for God's. See, God made sure that we could not come to know him by our own wisdom. 
Isn't that something? Like, you just can't come to know God. Like, hey, I'm going to come to know God, and I'm going to know the depths of God all on my own. Not, it's not going to work. Instead, God made his way just really look ridiculous and foolish to the world. Because when the world's wise looks at us, they just think, oh, you bunch of Christians. You just have your little crutches and, and what have you. Yes, the preaching of the cross and those who humble themselves and accept it are the only ones who can truly embrace God's plan of salvation and the wisdom from God. It's only us. I mean, it's amazing. It doesn't matter how much education you have. It doesn't matter how much you know. It doesn't matter how intelligent or non-intelligent you are. You can know the depths of God yourself, just you yourself. Let's look again at that verse 18 in the power of the cross. It says, it says, for the word of the cross is to those who are perishing, talking about the heathens, the ones that have rejected God. He says it's foolishness to them. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And again, that word power comes from the Greek word dunamos. It's where we get our English word dynamite. It's an explosive power that is available to each and every one of us as believers in Christ. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, that's Core Church LA, one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to our P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.